0: All right, welcome back to the Christian Tactician podcast. I am your host, Adam Yates. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me today. I want to uh, jump right into my comment intro here and get right, so I can get right into my podcast. I want to uh, to tell you that I'm, I'm grateful that you spent time listening to me. I'm getting so much uh, good feedback from uh, from guys who are uh, listening to my podcast who are trying to work on their spiritual lives and. And I want you to know that uh, just because I'm doing these podcasts, uh, I don't ever want to give the impression that I've arrived, you know, that I am there, or as Paul says, you know, that I've apprehended. Because uh, my life is a is a constant effort of trying to align myself uh, with Christ, of trying to accomplish the things that He's called me to, and trying to fulfill the promise that I made to Him through baptism and, and in my life and in my walk, trying to uh, be the man that I promised my wife that I would be trying to be the man that I promised my children I would be, trying to be the man that I promised uh, my church congregation that I would be, my friends, those people who look up to me. This is a, it's a difficult effort. It's something that is absolutely worthwhile. I know that if you've listened to my previous podcast, you know that I believe that with my whole heart. It's worthwhile. It's worthwhile to make efforts to be a Christ-like man. And God knows what he was doing. He is not a fool. He knew what he was doing when he created you. And, and I realize I have some ladies who listen to this too. And even though my podcast is directed at men, it's the same for you. God knew what he was doing when he created you. He had a purpose and a plan. And if we don't believe that, then we can't believe in God. And if we don't believe in God, there is no hope at all. But I trust that you're listening to this because you do believe in God. And so I want you to believe with all your heart that he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. And part of that is this continual effort of perfecting, of perfecting ourselves, Uh, Not that we're ever going to reach that state of absolute perfection, but our life is to be a pursuit of it. We look at the example of Jesus Christ in all things, and that's what we're supposed to try to measure up to. You know, there are four things that I feel are so important that we as men need to be considering every day and that we need to be striving for. That we are men of action, that we don't stand by idle, that we look for uh, what needs to be done, what needs to be changed, that we find work. And if that work, if you recognize that there is some insufficiency within you, that you don't ignore it, if it's hard work, if it's something that needs to be changed, we don't turn and run from it. Life is about work. It's about doing something. It's about no days off. A godly man, a Christ-like man, is a man of action. He doesn't stand by idle. He doesn't stand by idle in his family. He addresses problems and issues. He does it in a loving manner. But he doesn't just stand by and let things happen. A man, a godly man, is a man of responsibility. He desires and accepts responsibility. That responsibility that was given to you when you were born, when God decided where you were going to arrive at and who you were going to be born to, and when he determined where you were going to be, he also gave you responsibility. There's responsibilities that men have. And not just should we uh, accept those responsibilities, but we should desire them. Here I am. Send me. I want to be responsible for others. I want to be responsible. I want to to have uh, things placed upon me. Give me the opportunity. I can show you how a godly man accomplishes things. This is an important aspect of being a man. Uh, A godly man is a man who leads from the front. He is seen. He is visible. He's not leading from the back. He's not sending other people in his place. A godly man is a man who leads from the front. He's the man who sets the standard. Everybody knows, his family knows, this is the expectation because I see it. I see it in this man. If you're not married, you know, your friends, they see the expectation that this world is looking for leaders, do you ever, you ever think about that? They're they're just dying for someone to lead them. And they're looking for something that brings hope, in, in whatever that is, right? We we see right now at this particular point on on February twenty seventh of twenty twenty, we have we're preparing this year for some elections, and we see that there are people who they are grasping onto the hope of of socialism. Everybody being equal, there are people who are grasping onto all sorts of different hopes throughout this world. That if we make uh, changes, you know, we're going to grasp hold of of this uh, teenage girl who's trying to tell us all these things we need to do to, for climate change and all that. And you believe those things, you don't believe those things. I, I'm not really here to get get into it, other than to make the point that people are looking for someone who can give them hope. And the best hope we can give is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and this is those things that He has promised and that He has directed us to. And they need a leader. Someone Someone who is going to take them there, and that is you. That is you. And that last thing, that most important thing that I feel like is a man of God, a Christ like man is a man of expectation. There is a reason why we do all of these things. Our eyes are to the future. We're looking to, and we've grasped a hold of the promises that God has made, and we believe them with our whole heart. And because of that, we're willing to endure difficulties and struggles and trials. We're willing to sweat. We're willing to bleed. We're willing to go without sleep. We're willing to do all of these things to handle our spiritual life, to be involved in other spiritual lives, to do these things that are difficult and that oftentimes make us want to turn and run. But we do it because we have an expectation of something greater that is beyond us, that is beyond this life That is beyond this world. Christ says, "I, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. We should expect that. That's what a man of God is, a man of expectation. Dogs also bark at what they don't know. This world, it's not used to what a Christ like man looks like. It's easily offended by the mistakes of the past, by the mistakes of men who are driven by their own passions, their own desires, by the influences of Satan. This world has become intimidated and afraid of manhood. And we have an opportunity, you have an opportunity to change the impression of others and to pass it forward to your sons, to your friends, to your co workers, all of those things when they see you acting like Christ, like a Christ-like man taking responsibility and action and leadership and expectation and all of these things when they see it. When they recognize it, when they see that you're happy, your life is good, and they look to it and they ask why, and they start to take note, we start to change the impression of this world, and they're no longer afraid of what they don't know. But right now, hey, why wouldn't you be afraid of, 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 of a guy like Adam Yates who is trying to tell you you know, to try to be a man, be a stronger man, be a more influential man and all that when manhood has been so perverted, so perverted, And far away from the picture that Christ has given us. So this is your opportunity. This is your time. This is your responsibility and your effort. So I'm gonna get into our podcast today and, and my subject today, my title is my title is Where There Is Smoke. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness and this is something that is so essential. you know if you look throughout Scripture, you know forgiveness and repentance these are two things that are intertwined continually And if you look throughout Scripture from the beginning to the end of the Bible and and if you are a believer in the Book of Mormon or if you've read it, you see that from the beginning to the end of that these are two concepts that are intertwined and in fact we find in the Book of Mormon that, that Christ gives this commandment to his ministry he says and you're supposed to preach faith, And repentance. You know, this, this. This aspect of changing and being changed—this is what so much of the gospel is about—and yet we have such a hard time with it. And today, I'm going to talk about forgiveness in particular. Repentance is a hand in hand; it's a it's a it's a, a a brother concept to it. but They go hand in hand. But I'm going to talk about forgiveness because I feel like forgiveness is something that holds so much potential for destruction. That if we don't address it, it's not something that we are working on continually. It will cause us to burn to the ground, and so I want to talk to you guys real quick. I, I watched this video the other day. I'm in this class and I'm learning about uh, fire and firefighting and all of that. And uh, we were watching this video, and so in this video, you got this crew of firefighters and they're getting ready to go into the ha- into this house. And you know, from the outside, there was yeah, there was smoke coming out of this house, but it wasn't an excessive amount or anything. And so they, what do they do? They open the front door, and inside. They, it opens into kind of your your typical living room type area and as they go into it you can see as this as this living room extends it extends maybe 20 30 feet and then you have an opening a large opening that goes into a hallway and this hallway moves to the left and to the right and to the left you can just see that as you go through this opening if you were to stand in this hallway you're going to make a left directly on your right okay there's an opening there's a doorway that goes into some sort of a room and so from that front door you can kind of see it you know it kind of makes a little Z but you can see Back in there, the video. You know, this firefighter was wearing a GoPro on his on his helmet, and so you can see what he's seeing. And as he goes in and he moves forward, he goes through this entry room. He steps into this hallway, and you see he turns his head and he looks into this room. And all of a sudden, you can see this black smoke. That all of a sudden, it starts billowing black smoke, and it is and it is thick, and it's as if it's alive. It's it's moving quickly. And it's and it begins coming towards him, and the only way I can describe it is it's kind of like how you see a snake moving. If you've ever seen, you know, on a video, or you've ever encountered, you know, I, I'm I'm in uh, the Arizona desert, and I love to go hunting and all that, and I've seen a lot of rattlesnakes, and I've I've killed a lot of rattlesnakes, and I've had some of them even come after me. And you know, the the speed at which they move, and the way at which they they come around corners and rocks and all that sort of stuff, it's impressive, right? And it's fast, and it's and it can be a little bit frightening. And that was what this smoke was doing from this back room you see this firefighter turns and all of a sudden this this angry black snake of smoke comes at him fast and he turns around he begins getting out of there right he's he's backing up and this smoke begins coming and it comes through the doorway of that room and it and it uh, fills that hallway quickly and then it snakes around and begins coming straight at him in that entryway room and as soon as it gets about halfway through that entryway room it all of a sudden ignites boom So I want to talk about this for a second because I think this is so important when it comes to forgiveness. You know, uh, there are several types of of fires or or like aspects of fires. But you know, in a lot of our newer construction, you end up with a fire that's called ventilation limited. And that means that inside of this building, inside of this uh, house... There's all sorts of fuel, there's contents, there's, there's beds and there's chairs and there's clothing and all this sort of stuff, stuff that, that when heated to a certain uh, point, it will ignite and it will burn. But inside of this structure, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's put together relatively well, you're, you're, you're starved by the amount of oxygen that is there. And you know, uh, for a fire, probably many of you guys know this, you need oxygen, fuel, and heat. Those three things are required for you to get fire. And so in a lot of these houses and like in this particular video you had this fire going on in there that was it was limited by ventilation. It didn't have enough oxygen. It had plenty of fuel and it had heat, but it didn't have oxygen. And so inside of this this structure that they made entrance into you know the contents of it, the stuff that was in there, the heat had caused it to reach this point that's called pyrolization. Uh, and, and basically it just means it heats it until this particular uh, couch or a uh, uh, mattress or whatever it is begins to off-gas its fuel, right? Uh, um, it's fuel vapor in the terms of smoke. And it begins to do that and begins to fill that room, but it's missing something. It has heat and it has fuel, but it's missing oxygen. And so you see that that smoke is unburned fuel. And so the only thing that was missing was oxygen, right? Because it was limited by ventilation. It already sucked up and it already used most of the oxygen that was in that structure. And so what happened? The opening of the front door introduced a fresh supply of oxygen, that third thing that it needed. And as it began to get be drawn in, the heat begins to draw in this oxygen. And as soon as it hit enough and it had enough oxygen in there, uh, had what was called a flashover. And a flashover is when everything inside of that room, everything inside of there had has has reached that pyrolization. Everything is beginning to off-gas its fuel, and all it needs is just enough oxygen for it to go, and then everything spontaneously catches on fire, and it's very dangerous and it's deadly. In fact, even with all the, the protective equipment that a firefighter wears, you can only withstand a few seconds of that, and it typically will kill. And so simply opening a door introduces enough air supply to cause this reaction, or a window, or something like that. You know, sometimes you know you're gonna fight a fire, you're gonna have to open a door right? But sometimes, you know, the heat causes the uh, glass to shatter. And then all of a sudden, this room that, is, that was limited by not having enough oxygen, all of a sudden, the heat causes a glass window to shatter. And now you have oxygen introduced and boom, you get a flashover. And, you know, the thing is, is that this fire... Like in that video I was watching, the fire began to decay because it lacked something. In that case, it lacked oxygen. But other fires, sometimes they lack other things. They lack fuel. Typically, when you put out a fire, you're going to do it with water. And so what you're doing is you're going to cool down the fuel. You're going to cool it down. A fire begins to decay because it lacks something, but introducing one of those things will oftentimes cause reignition. And a lot of times it's explosive and very violent. And, and the only way to ensure this doesn't happen is complete extinguishment, completely putting it out. So now let's talk about forgiveness. You know, we are going to find ourselves in life, in any relationship that you are in, you know, you are sometimes going to find yourself frustrated. Something is going to happen because no two people are alike. We're always going to see things different. And sometimes people are going to do things or say things that's going to bother us. It's going to frustrate us. Sometimes they're going to do things that is a, a, a direct sin against us. They're going to lie to us. They're going to say something hurtful. Whatever it is. Sometimes they're gonna do something unintentionally that just bugs us and bothers us. Sometimes we have those people that they just grate on us. We all have them. Those people who they just they just there's something about them that just bugs us. And so what does that do within you? You know, this is something that, that is important that we consider, you know, forgiveness. In a previous podcast, I talked about this, you know, that when these, when these missionaries first went up to the Inuit people, they, they realized that there was a concept for forgiveness, but there wasn't a word. And so they created one. And the, the essence of it was, is, is, you know, to remember it no more. Whatever that was, to remember it no more. And yet, that is probably one of the most difficult things for us to do. And as men, you know, that is something that is so incredibly difficult for us. I mean, it's not just for men, but it is for people in general. It's hard for us to forget when somebody wrongs us, when somebody does something that hurts us, that offends us. It's hard for us to let it go. And this is something that is destructive, this is something that is that smoldering fire. Right, that's inside of this room within your heart where there is this thing, something that that is burning. While we may have gone through the outward steps of telling somebody, oh, I forgive you. No, it's all right. So often the real struggle with forgiveness is going on inside of your heart that you hearken back to whatever it was, that you relive it over and over again, and that when you do it, you get frustrated. That in your relationship. When somebody frustrates you again, you, uh, you break out the offenses of the past that they have done. Oxygen is added to it, and now there's a flashover. Everything's on fire again. This is our struggle, and this is something that we have to get over. We have to work past this, and you as men, whether you're married, whether you're not married, it doesn't matter. Christ was a God of forgiveness. And if we're going to be a Christ-like man, we must be a man of forgiveness. And, and something I want you to, to remember is the hardest work, the hardest work of forgiveness is internal. We can do just about anything externally. I can say just about anything to somebody, and I can be pretty convincing. Hey, man, you know, it's all right. No, I know you didn't mean to do that. I forgive you. But what's in our heart? That's the hardest to address. And why? You know, I have in my notes because it has claws because when somebody wrongs us or somebody offends us, somebody does something against us and it hurts us, it gets us emotionally, whether it's with with pain of disappointment or whether it's with, with uh, the anger that comes with it or whatever it is, you know, that offense, it has claws, it grabs a hold and it sinks its claws in and it's not going to let go. It doesn't want to let go. That's Satan's work. He wants to make you hold on to offenses. And so I find for almost everybody I've ever talked to about it the hardest work of forgiveness is in your heart because whatever it is that caused you to be offended has claws. You know, I want you to remember this. Forgiveness is for you. It's for you. It's not for that other person. Certainly we want when we offend somebody, when I upset my wife, I want her to forgive me because I, you know, I don't want her to continue to be upset, but you know that's because it it, it really makes me feel guilty, right? But forgiveness is for me. And isn't it interesting to consider that someone can commit an offense against you, they can sin against you, they can wrong you, and yet you can be the one who ends up in a place of receiving condemnation. You can be the one who, even though you were, you were the recipient of somebody wronging you, you can end up in a place of sin yourself because of what goes on. In your heart. And this is something that we absolutely struggle with. And I'm going to build on that in just a little bit. You know, forgiveness takes work. Forgiveness takes work. One reason that we have this smoldering and building of potential explosive ignition inside of us is because we don't oftentimes want to do the work. Forgiveness takes work. Forgiveness often includes that we need to go to whoever it is and we need to talk over that offense with that other person. And this is difficult because I found throughout my life that by and large, people do not like confrontation. Now, I'm not a guy who's bothered by confrontation. It doesn't bother me. But so many people don't want confrontation or perceived confrontation. But you know, when we go and we talk to somebody and we find a way to make peace through, through, through difficult situations... You know, sometimes I I have found this to be true, that that we get ourselves all worked up, that this is never going to work. I don't want to have this confrontation, whatever it is. But when we address it, when we go to them, when we humbly go and say, hey, listen, this really bothered me. Can we talk about this? Will you tell me why you did this? And I want to tell you how it made me feel. That, you know, when we do it right, we come together stronger. That's in your marriage, that's in your relationship with your boss, that's with your best friend, that's with your grandmother, for anything like that. So often we do it, but but it has to do with how we approach it, right? And there's nothing that to me is more frustrating when somebody does something to hurt me, to offend me, that I have to be the one to go and do the work to them. I have to be the one to go and say, hey, what you did really bothered me. I have to be, because I didn't do it. And so often we don't want to address things because that takes work. Uh, why should I have to go and try to make amends? I'm not the one who, who did this. They did it to me. We, we can't look at it like that. We, we have to be beyond that because forgiveness is for you. You know, uh, I talked about just a second ago that, you know, sometimes, you know, this, this forgiveness, it takes work and we don't want to do work. And, you know, one of these parts of forgiveness is going to that other person and talking to him. In fact, Christ tells us that. He says, if you go to bring your gift to the altar and you are frustrated with your brother because they've done something, he says, you leave your gift and you go and you reconcile and then you come to me. You know, he says, this is such an important thing. It's such an important thing that you cannot let it go because it, it causes you to not be able to offer to me what you want. Think about that for a second. I'm, I'm going to go further in here about how forgiveness or lack of it affects us and God, but think about that in particular. Christ said that, hey, what's going on with you and people around you has a direct effect with how you approach me, so handle it so that I can receive you. That is such an important thing that we have to consider and think about it, especially when, if you do some introspection, you start looking in your heart and you start seeing where you have some hardness, some frustration, some things that you can't let go of that in your dark times or in in the quiet moments, you find yourself reliving back to those times when somebody did something to me Oh, how this affected me and all that. And you know what guys, I've been there, man, have I been there things that that happened to me that I say, it's not fair, it shouldn't have happened, I didn't do anything to deserve that, and I sit and I let it go, this broken record of reliving offenses and frustration and anger and letting it well up in me again and the what-ifs and I should have done this and I want this, you know, lack of forgiveness leads to anger. Anger leads to desire for revenge. And if you look in the scriptures, you know, uh, you see Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about it and he says, you know, you heard of old times, it says you don't murder. So I'm telling you, you don't even be angry. Why is it? Anger leads to murder. And now you're going to say, well, just because I'm angry with somebody Adam, doesn't mean I'm going to go shoot him.' No, but so often, you know, what is it that causes us to kill somebody? It's when we devalue them enough. They're not worthy of even life. And I believe with my whole heart that we can murder somebody without ever taking their physical life. We can devalue them to the point that they're worth nothing. And that really, I think, is what Christ is talking about. This is the danger of lack of forgiveness. You know, when we go to somebody, when you go to your wife, when you go to your coworker, your friend, whoever it is, after they've done something that that has offended you, you need to hear them out and consider their side as well. We don't want to do that work because you've offended me. Why should I have to hear why you did what you did? I'm the one who's hurt, and yet we just can't accomplish this if we're not willing to hear out and consider both sides. And then what else is it that takes work? Then we have to work within ourselves with the Lord. Lord, you've got to help me. You have to help me overcome this to put out that smoldering fire in there. Like it's easy when we, when we make the, the, the difficult effort to go and talk to somebody about something. It's so much easier to be able to put that behind us when that person says, yeah, you know what, I realized that I did that and I'm so sorry. You know, please forgive me. I didn't mean it and I'm, and I'm going to do my best not to do it again. It's easy for us to forgive them. But the real challenge, that difficult challenge is when that other person won't discuss it with you or when that conversation doesn't go well. And man, I've had those conversations before, right? Where I've gone to people, even people within the church, who I'm like, this, this should be a relatively easy conversation. I say, hey, you know what? This happened. You said this, and, and you know that, that really upset me because that's not true. You, you didn't say something that was correct. Whatever it was, and they don't want to talk with me about it. They say, you know, or, or they get upset with me or whatever it is. Boy, that's hard, right? Therein lies some work that has to be done within me. Because remember, forgiveness is about me. It's about what goes on in my heart. It's about removing the the potential for sin from my heart. And it's easy when somebody accepts us, when somebody hears us out, when somebody apologizes to us, but what about when they don't? That's hard. That's hard. And one reason we don't want to forgive, one reason why we hold on is because it takes work. It absolutely takes work. You know, uh, I, I guess one thing I want you to remember is, as we look at this example of Christ on the cross, right? We we know all this stuff. He's beaten, he's, you know, everything I've talked about in previous times, all the the difficult things that he went through. And here he is, he's hanging on a cross and he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And take note when you read that in scripture that no one walked up to him and said, hey Christ, would you forgive me for this? Hey, I realize I just pounded nails into your hand. Would you forgive me for this? Hey, I realize that I stripped you of your clothes and I'm here betting over it, that's after I beat you with a whip, and after I spit on you and all this sort of stuff, would you forgive me for it? You're not going to find it written in there. It appears to me that Christ forgave without them ever acknowledging what they had done. Therein lies our example. Now chew on that for a while. How hard is that? And yet you're called to be Christ-like. Our efforts, our our take on things— Our ability to forgive, it shows us who and what we are. I want you to think about that as you look inside of your life and you see those things that might be smoldering within where you haven't addressed something with your parents or things that they have done. You know, if you're a family, who you're, you're a product of a divorced family, you know, like, like I was. There were things that were very difficult for me growing up. And, you know, I just held on to them in my youth and my ignorance. But, you know, I had to deal with those things at some time. But, you know, it shows us who and what we are. If you're someone who doesn't forgive, you know, it sh- you should look and you should see this is who I am. And, and is this what I want to be? Do I want to be someone who has a perpetual fire burning within me with the potential to explode? destructively with just that right amount of oxygen, that right amount of fuel, that right word said, that right situation to come up. You know, sometimes I think we feel a satisfaction in being offended. I look at our society today and I see that our society encourages and is looking for ways to be a perpetual victim, a perpetual victim. Everyone has the opportunity to be a victim of something and we don't want to let it go. The reality is, is in our life, we are always going to have challenges that come up and things are going to happen to us that we didn't deserve, that we don't want, that that was unfair, that was unjust, whatever it is. And so what do we do? Do we sit and we brood on it? Forever, society tells us that we should be a perpetual victim. You know, society tells us that we want to be a perpetual victim. Something happens. You know, people are victimized all the time. Things that we don't deserve, that are unjust, that are unfair, happens to people all the time. And I know there are people who have been through some terrible, terrible, difficult, unjust things where a victim truly has no control. That's what a victim is; they have no control. But Jesus Christ, He calls us to be victors, to overcome. To not be weighed down and chained down by the disappointments, by the offenses, by those things that have happened to us, because Satan wants to beat us down with all of those things. And understand this, whatever happened to you in your life, in your marriage, in that argument you had with your wife, whatever it was, the more you dwell on it, when you allow it to stay, when you don't handle it, Satan is taking that and it's a sledgehammer and he is beating you down with it. And it causes you to be separate from God. Our society tells us that that you know there are ways to be a perpetual victim forever and this often means that what do we do we carry perpetual offenses in our heart ready to be fed oxygen at any time when we see something or when somebody says that right thing you know this 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 buzzword triggered something triggers me you know now we have to be so careful because you say one word and you can trigger somebody and you stir them up to being a victim again that is not Christ guys that is not Christ in the end Holding on to an offense and not doing the work of true forgiveness, that internal work, it boils down to its destructive base, and that is pride. Pride. Being a victim gives you a sense of identity. We see that. And I'm not saying that people who have been through difficult things, you know, a lot of times they're part of groups and things like that. And it helps for them to be around people who have been through similar situations. And there is an identity in that. But, you know, we've been given an identity of something that is better and something that is higher than those terrible things that happen in this world that have no reason to define everything that we are. What defines us is Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in our life and what he's able to do with a broken person and with a hurt person and with someone who has been offended and things have happened to him that are not fair. He's able to give us an identity that's better, that's higher than that, not be a victim. And not to hold forever within us a perpetual burning of an offense. It's dangerous and we oftentimes feel justified in it. I can't forgive this person because they molested me. They're a terrible person and I can't let it go. I, I'm not saying it's easy. That's a horrible thing. It's a horrific thing. Unjust and so very difficult to overcome. But you know, God can give you freedom from that. From that from that fire that's smoldering in the recesses of your heart that only takes one thing to open the door and feed it fuel. And all of a sudden it's burning you up again. God can give you freedom from that. He can put it out. It's going to take work. And there's any number of difficult things that are just like that. Unjust, unjust. Unfair things that you didn't deserve. And I've kind of taken a little bit of a left turn, but you know, it's the reality because oftentimes people do things to you and it offends you, it hurts you, you didn't deserve it. Sometimes you get offended, you get upset about things because we just see things different. We have to address them. We have to be willing to do the work because in the end, well, let's go ahead and let's look at some scripture here. Book of Mormon, Mosiah chapter 11, verse 139 to 141. You know, this man. He was a leader of the church, and he says, and, and the people were coming to him, and they were saying, you know, there are these people outside of the church that they are, they are treating us horribly because of our belief, and some of the church people are lashing out and all that. You know, they're, they're, they're giving back, and so this man, he goes to God and says, what do I do? What do I do here, Lord? And so the Lord's speaking to him, and he says, Mosiah chapter 11, verse 139 through 141. This is the Lord speaking. He says, as often as my people will repent, I will forgive them their trespasses against me and ye also shall forgive one another your trespasses for verily i say unto you he that forgiveth not his neighbour's trespasses when he saith that he repenteth the same hath brought himself under condemnation and now i say unto you go and whosoever will not repent of his sins the same shall not be numbered among my people and this shall be observed from this time forward you know so the lord tells this man he says you are to be a people of forgiveness. You don't get a right to hold on to it, to let it sit and burn within you. You have to forgive. And and then let's look and let's see. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. We all know this because it's right after the Lord's Prayer. And in there, you know, the Lord says, you know, uh, forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, as we forget our de- as we forgive our debtors, and then after that, in Matthew six fourteen and fifteen, Christ says this: For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, God puts a link between our forgiveness of sin that He does for us and our forgiving others what we do for others this should be such a true concern and something that weighs heavy on your heart because if we believe that when we commit sin when we when we offend god when we walk contrary to what we promised him and what his commandments are if we believe that that is not okay and if we believe as it says in romans where it says the wages of sin is death those things that sin earns you is death then we need to look at it and see that forgiveness It's the antidote for death. It's life. Forgiveness, then, is life. If sin is death, forgiveness is life. And so if we don't forgive others, if we don't do that difficult inner work of forgiveness, we are destined for death. As you look in yourself and as you consider what is going on in your heart, if you see that there are those things that are just smoldering fires within you, that you have not done that hard inner work of forgiveness, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you can't do it, you're destined for death. That should be something that weighs heavy on your mind. This is why it's so important, and and not to mention the fact that it destroys relationships. You know, if you are a person, I've talked about this in other podcasts. You know, husbands, if you and your marriage, if when there is conflict between you and your spouse, you begin bringing up the past. You have not forgiven. And every time you do that, what are you doing? You are damaging your relationship. You are, you are making it more and more difficult to put out that fire. We cannot forget this. You know, as husbands, and I realize not everybody here who is listening to this is married, but, you know, perhaps one day you will be. But, but think about this. You know, in Colossians 3 and 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter, against them. You look at that word bitter, that particular word bitter as it was in the Greek was only used a couple times, and the other few times was used in Revelations. It was talking about something that, that upsets your inside, that causes uh, a trouble inside of you. So it says, love your wives and don't let inside of you there being these things that cause you trouble. And, and perhaps this is the hardest. Because your wife is the one who has the potential probably to hurt you the very most. I've talked about this in previous ones. She knows everything about you. She should know every secret you've had. She knows what buttons to push. She knows what you look like naked. All right, all of these things, she has the ability to hurt you. And yet, even when she does do those things, the commandment is love your wife and be not bitter against her. If you forgive, then your God, your Father, will forgive you also. And, and what I want you to do here for a moment, because we are talking about being Christ-like, is if we take the same view of Christ, maybe it'll help us understand this a little deeper. So scripturally, the church, if we look in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about this. You know, Paul draws this example uh, that the church is like the bride. It's the wife of Christ. And we also see that in, in the book of Revelation, Okay, that, that the church, those who have been baptized, those who are followers of Christ, they are his bride, his wife. As weird as that sounds, right? So here's my question How often do you sin against Christ? Daily? I do. Hourly? Maybe, right? How often do we fail to follow his commandments? Daily? Right? Hourly? Maybe? And yet, what do we find that he does? I love this reading in Isaiah 55. This whole this whole chapter of Isaiah 55 is such a cool chapter. But I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. And he's giving out, he's calling out, he's offering up to his people. And he says this, "'Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread?' And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew Not thee shall run into thee, because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I want to talk about just a couple of things here, real quick. And the first thing I want to I say is, you know, what is it that Christ gives here? He gives an invitation. And he says, anybody who wants to come, you come to me. But he gives some things. In verse 7, he says, but this is what it is, okay? The wicked has to forsake his ways. You can't continue doing these things. The unrighteous man has to turn his thoughts. It says, if you turn to me, I will have mercy upon you, and I will pardon. I will pardon. When, when we ask the Lord for forgiveness, they're thrown in the depths of the sea. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now, do you do that with those around you? And now what I want to ask you is, is do you do that only when they come to you and say, would you forgive me? Or do you do like Christ on the cross when nobody petitioned him for forgiveness and he said to his father, forgive them? You know, uh, it says here that I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. And you know, I've thought about this quite a bit. And I looked up and I saw what a lot of scholars today think about this. And you know, and I, I don't necessarily disagree, but you know, I think about what are the sure mercies of David? What did David do? Horrific sins, right? Murder. We know he murdered Uriah, took his wife, uh, so he at least committed fornication, adultery. My opinion is, is David actually committed rape, because I don't know that uh, Bathsheba really had the right to say no to the king. Uh, He lied and tried to cover it up, all these things. And yet we find that when David repented to the Lord, that the Lord completely forgave him. Now, sure, there was consequences to what happened. We recognize that. But you know, what were the sure mercies of David? The Lord forgave his sin. And I believe with my whole heart that 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 day when David died and he went up and he stood before the Lord, it was as that promise is, is that his sin was thrown in the depth of the sea. You know, I want to have just a side note here before I draw this to a conclusion and a side note concerning repentance and forgiveness. You know, Consider what you often hear when it comes to things about repentance. It's between God and me alone. I was listening to a sermon the other day of one of our ministers, and he talked about this. And so this is not an original thought, but this is something that I've been thinking about so much because it's interesting. When we talk about offenses, when we talk about sinning, when we talk about these things, when we fall short, we oftentimes don't want to make it known. Because within our minds, we all have, we want people to look at us a certain way. I don't want to be looked at as a failure. I don't want to be looked at as a sinner. I don't want those things that have gone on and that go on within my heart to be laid bare before everybody. Because inside of my heart and inside of my mind sometimes is a really vile place. But there's something that is interesting. You know, oftentimes we hear that when we sin against somebody, you know, this is between God and me. And yet, I want you to think about this is the point that this, that this uh, in this sermon the other day, or or one of the points that I thought, man, that is, that is, that's deep, okay? 3,000 years give or take, right? You open this Bible and you're looking back in history 3,000 years. And if you read Psalm 51, and if you read the story of when Nathan the prophet came and confronted David about him taking Uriah's wife Bathsheba and having Uriah killed and all of that, when you look at all of those things, you're reading about it. You know, Psalm 51 was what David wrote after he was forgiven by God for the sin that he committed. And everyone knew about it. Everyone knew what David had done. Everyone knew that David had taken another man's wife and had slept with her and had fathered a child with her and had had her husband killed. Everyone knew about it. And in fact, it was a song that was sung in the temple. So David wrote it and said, you're going to sing this in the temple of God when we're there worshiping, about what David did. We teach our kids about it. I do I do podcasts about it. So is it always between you and God alone? Something to consider. You know, the act of repenting and forgiving are both internal and external and cannot be dismissed. So I want to bring this to a conclusion here. I've got just a couple of points here. And, you know, I want you to think about this. If you if you grab anything from this, I want you to remember this, that, you know, being a man, it's work. Being a Christian is work. You're a woman who's listening to this. It's work. It's work to be a wife. It's work to be a follower of Christ. It's always work. You don't get a day off. We don't get days off. And the other thing is, is there is no retirement. There's no retirement from being a Christian. Every day is work. And forgiving is probably one of the hardest things. And the internal work of forgiving others, this is hard. And yet it's the part that truly separates us from God and his blessings. If you don't forgive others, and that's not the outward thing, hey, I forgive you. No, no, I realize you didn't mean that. I forgive you. And then we go home and we just let it burn within us. I can't believe that guy did this. You know, and it's smoldering within us. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. God can take it away. Satan makes us hold on to it. And that is what separates us from God and his blessings. And that in your marriage and in your relationships, those things that you have not let God take, all it takes is that right word, that right thing. And you've introduced oxygen back into it, and now you're on fire destructive fire that ruins relationships, that destroys blessing, that destroys your life. Do you know those people who are just torn up by the past and they can't ever let it go? There is no joy. There is no happiness in perpetual victimhood. But there is joy. There is peace in being a victor and being a conqueror, which is what Christ called us to, which is what he wants to help us to be. There is a work that has to be done in our heart, but for us, it takes being willing, a desire to give up your will, a desire to be closer to God, a desire to be led by God. Then, if we do the work, if we do that work of addressing what offend us, the work of asking God to work on our heart, the work of Following God's word, that's tough, isn't it? Those things that he wrote down so that you know how to act and you know what his expectations are and you understand the mind of God, what he's looking for, if you're willing to do those things, we will be able to fully extinguish that smoldering fire that is within us and have true forgiveness our ability to forgive is directly linked to our being forgiven of our own sins that should be something that weighs heavy on your heart and the last thing is in, as in so many aspects of our spiritual walk when we make the effort when we take the step towards god we find this promise and it says that in james and you look at the pattern throughout scripture that when god's people begin working their way toward him he begins taking even bigger steps towards them because he wants to get us there. So this is hard. This is difficult. This is probably not something that you're going to listen to this podcast, and in the rest of your drive to work, you're going to take care of all these things that might be smoldering within you. But this is something that is worth your absolute effort. If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be a Christ-like man, do the work. You have got to be able to do the work of forgiveness If there is smoke that is building within you, there's a smoldering fire that all it needs is that one thing to just ignite violently again, it'll burn you up. You need to handle it, work towards it. If you're having trouble, I've told you guys in previous podcasts how to contact me, you contact me. I'll call you, I'll trade emails with you, I'll pray for you. It's important to me that those of you who have have spent the time trying to be encouraged by my podcast, I, I don't know who all of you are, but you're important to me and I'll be there for you. We got to work on these things. So arise from the dust and be men.